What's going on, everyone? Alex De Silva. I hope you are well and you're having an amazing day, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. So, continuing from my Calder Equina journey, as I ended the last episode, I was explaining to you that the consultant who agreed for me to, to, to come to Aiden Brooks was standing at the end of my bed and was asking me how I am. And he said to me, so how are you feeling? Is everything okay? As I explained, and I went on to say to him, yeah, look, I, I feel okay. I'm not in pain, which to be fair, I was so grateful for having been in pain for such a long time and going through that agonizing experience, waking up, knowing that I'm pain-free was just that was an absolute blessing. I'm one of these people where today I find gratitude in everything. I try to find gratitude in everything because it's so important to do that because it's also very easy for me to fall into the darkness, into fear, into anger, into resentment, into self-pity, into, oh my God, I'm going to be paralyzed. Oh my God, why has this happened to me? Going into this whole victimhood thing, you know, which it's very easy to do when you're in that situation. And don't get me wrong, I started to think, what the hell's going on? Like, I can't really move. I can move my legs, but they're floppy. But here's the thing, listen to this. So the consultant sat, you know, he's stood at the end of my bed with, you know, a couple of other doctors. And uh, I said to him, okay, so how was the operation? How did it go? Anything that I need to know? He said, look, he, went, he didn't operate on me, but the feedback that he had was that everything went perfect. No complications, no issues. Everything went exactly as it was meant to. So again, thank God. I was so happy, so happy um, because it's the spine. So for me, the fact that I could lift my legs towards me, floppy or not, everything to me was like, okay, this is a positive. Now, let me tell you something. This is a huge part of this story and a huge part of the journey. Whilst I was waiting in A&E at Aiden Brooks Hospital, waited to be taken to theater, something came to me. And I remember hearing this, this quote, I'm walking out of here stronger than I came in. And I just attached to it. And I said, yes, I am. I'm walking out of here stronger than I came in. There is, And there was no negotiation. There wasn't a doubt. There wasn't a worry. There wasn't a fear. I wasn't even in theater. I didn't have a clue what the hell I was going to go through. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I knew that. I knew that. I knew that I was walking out of hospital stronger than I came in. I wasn't going to be, I was wheelchaired out because they you have to do that. But I did walk out of hospital and I'll get to that. So he stood at the end of my bed telling me that everything was okay. The operation was fine. He said, look, you know, you should be home. This is on Wednesday now. This is Wednesday morning, post-op. Not even 24 hours post-operation because they wake you up at hospital. They wake you up around about eight, nine o'clock. So they woke me up and I think, well, they maybe let me sleep. Maybe maybe they let me sleep a little bit longer uh, because I was post-op. So they probably let me sleep. And then he came around 
had a conversation with me and um, I was like, okay, so what's the deal? He said, look, you'll be home by Friday. So in two days, I'll be home. Now I'm looking at my feet and they're like jelly. And I'm thinking home by Friday. I was like, hmm, okay. Unless he knows something that I don't know, let's trust the professional here. You'll be home by Friday. You should be back on your feet within two weeks. You know, you'll be driving within three to four weeks. Now, this is the consultant telling me these things. So I'm getting excited thinking I'm pain free now. And I want to make sure this doesn't happen to me again. So prevention, what can I do to make sure that this doesn't happen to me ever again? And can I start training? So I said to him, what about going to the gym? I want to be as safe as possible. I don't want to rush it. But what's the timelines? Eight to 12 weeks. This is what he said to me, eight to 12 weeks. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> now, there was a big part of me looking at my feet. I'm looking down at the end of the bed, looking at my jelly feet, and I'm going, well, I'm not quite sure that's going to happen, but we'll see. So then the physios turn up, and I'm having a conversation with these guys now. And they're like, how are you feeling? Usual, you know, hospital conversation. I said, yeah, I'm good. Are you okay to get up? And I said, yeah. You know, I kind of just sort of sat myself up. And they wanted to try and get me at the end of the bed to see if I can walk. Because the thing is, they, the the protocol, obviously, for a hospital is post-operation, the journey that you go through is they want to make sure that you're recovering from a, a medical perspective and then they want to make sure that you're able to move. So the physio are there to make sure that you're slowly getting up on your feet so that you can then go home. So they want to make sure that you're not wobbly, you're not a uh, uh, hindrance, you're not going to fall down and hurt yourself and having to come back. So that job there is important. And often or not, you will not go home until the physio, the occupational therapists, and all the other people say so. So it's not the doctors or the consultants that have a say, it's these guys. So the two physios come over, having a conversation, introduce themselves and like, okay, we're going to try and get you up on your feet. <laughs> I'm looking at my legs and my legs are like little twigs now and I'm sliding them at the end of the bed and they just flop obviously to, to the floor. And this is right, we're going to try and get you up. So I said, okay. It's like, can you do it on your own? I was like, absolutely not. So they helped me to get up, but they're literally doing the work to get me out off the bed. So they get me up and I'm shitting myself here. Excuse the language. I am shitting myself because I now can't even stand. I can't even stand up. This is not even a joke. I cannot stand up on my own. They're holding me and saying, can you take a step? And I'm kind of looking at them and thinking to myself, are you taking a piss? Like, are you having a laugh? Can you not see me? I cannot stand up. And I said to them, I can barely stand up. And they said to me, try. And I tried. And my feet are like, they're just floppy. They're not even, they're not like I'm having to forcefully really hold on to either of them, to both of them, for me to take a step forward and back. And I'm literally wobbling. I there, There's nothing. There's nothing. So they sit me on a bed. They gave me a few little exercises to do. Um, or oh, sorry, they didn't came back uh, the next day or the day after, gave me some exercises to do, which I did. And I then had to sit there and come to terms 
that I am now paralyzed. I'm paralyzed. I can kind of move or let's call it maybe semi-paralyzed because I can move my, my quads have got muscle in this switched on where I can bring my legs back and forth, but the rest is jelly. I have no controls in which way my legs move. That's, that's the only thing I can do. And again, I'm petrified. I'm I inside. I'm scared, but I had this reminder of you're walking out of here stronger than you came in. So the initial thing for me is what do we do next? So I said to them, when they came back the second day, I turned around and said to them, FYI, because I'm scared now, because the goal was they want to send me home on Friday. So they came over on Wednesday, then they came back on Thursday. And I said to them, FYI, I live in an apartment, which is on the second floor, and I don't have a lift. So I cannot walk up and down the stairs and you are not sending me home for me to be trapped in my flat. Absolutely not. And they went, don't worry. You are not going anywhere until we are comfortable that you can. So now the goal is you need to be able to do stairs. That's the goal now. So the goal I knew from the beginning, which is what they said to me. So the goal that we're working to now that we know is you need to be able to do steps. I said, okay. What do I need to do now then? What are the exercises? What are the things I need to do? And he started with the, what they call like a Sarah Steady. And it's just a frame that you can stand up in and you can do just basically just standing up motions. And what I needed to do, they gave me some very basic exercises for me to do and some other bits and pieces. And I just kept doing it because here's the thing for me. I have two choices now. I lay in my bed and I get covered in bed sores, and I go into self-pity, and I eat all the biscuits, all the hot chocolates, all the crap food that they feed you in hospital in the world, and just go into this wallowing self-pity, oh, poor me, why has this happened to me? Or get upset, understand, look down at the situation, which is me. I'm paralyzed, semi-paralyzed, you know, whatever the term may be. I cannot walk and do something about it. So for me, the reminder again is you're walking out of here stronger than what you came in. So what's the what are the things that you need to be doing? What did they give you? So they gave me the little exercises for me to do. And the number one thing, which is where I started, is get up on a Sarah study. When your wife comes, if there's a nurse available, somebody can bring you one. Because what I started to do as well is I started to move myself from the bed to the chair. So there's a chair next to the bed and they encourage you to do that. I because I, I got good upper body strength, I was able to do it. They showed me how to do it and I did it. And I knew now because I'm in that chair, I thought, oh, I can do dips. I tried to do a few dips embarrassingly. And I will share this because this is part of the journey. So there is no holds barred here. If you want to fast forward this, please do. I have no bladder control. I have no bowel control. And again, things that I'm having to get used to I now get excited because I can do dips. So that means I can work on my, my upper body strength because I know that if I'm going to get in that Sarah steady, if I'm going to move myself around, I'm going to have to use my upper body. So I said, okay, well, let's start to do 20. So I did 20 dips and I pooped myself because I have no bladder, no bowel control. And they are feeding me laxatives because I need to be passing somehow in order for things not to get clogged up and for things to be worse. 
And this again, it's horrifying for me. This is this is not a, a, something I've ever experienced, you know, unless I've eaten some really bad food and, you know, I, I'm in a comfort of my own home. I'm not surrounded by other people and it's a male ward. I'm not surrounded with other men, with all male nurses, or sorry, all female nurses primarily. And it's 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 scary. It's something I'm not used to. I am not used to this stuff. So yes, fear kicks in. Yes, ego kicks in. Yes, pride kicks in. And I'm not comfortable with this whole situation. But I'm like, I've got to do 20 dips. So let's go. So I start, I start now every morning. I wrote myself a little routine. I have a routine and I have the book here. If you can see it on video, this is the book. And I wrote down all my routines. So my routine in the morning was I wake up, I move myself to the chair, I have breakfast, I get on a call. I do. I was doing a video call with, with my wife and children every morning. I have breakfast and I do my dips. And I started doing my dips. I'm sat in the chair. When there was an opportunity, I'll get a nurse or someone to bring me to Sarah Steady and I'd stand up listen to a podcast or my music. I started listening to a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza called You Are the Placebo. Amazing book because it talks about having the, the mindset to be able to heal yourself, to be able to you know, control the mind, master your mind, master the outcome that you want to have. And I'm listening to this every single day. So I've got the goal. The goal is to leave the hospital stronger than I came in, to walk out stronger than I came in. And I set myself up with everything that I need in order to do that. Because for me, there is no other option. I can't walk, but I will. How? I don't know. But I know that the physios have given me the exercises that I need to do now, which then is going to become something else. So over the next week or so, that's what I did. Every day I went, I start, I gave myself a goal, do hundred dips from hundred. I got to 150 to then 200 to then I then didn't really count anymore. And I just kept doing it over the weeks, just kept doing it every single day, followed the same routine. I then got annoyed with the physios because they won't give me anything else to do. So eventually as they started to see that I'm improving, I'm getting a little bit better. I'm probably about two weeks in and I said to them, okay, what's the next step? Because you guys have left me here. I'm getting annoyed a little bit because they've kind of, I felt as though they just left me there. And I, because nobody tells you anything, I thought that they were meant to come every day, but it's actually just two days a week. And they, they will come most of the time. It'd be one day a week. And, you know, I then started to push them, impress them that, look, this is my goal. I'm getting out of here. I'm walking out of here. And you're going to help me. So what do I need to do? And it's interesting because they tested the sensations on my feet at the beginning. And I could hardly feel anything. I could move my feet. I could move my toes. Everything was numb. And by the time I left the hospital, there was a huge change. There was There is still some numbness. I can just about kind of move my toe on my right feet, my feet. And now this is, I've been out of hospital for over a week. My feet are now moving a lot more on my right side and I'm working now. I plant my feet on the floor and I'm, the goal is for me to now lift my feet off the ground. So, and I'm going to get to that. So I went from being paralyzed to now walking with uh, a, a frame and I have splints, which I work, walk with. 
and you know my the sensations are coming back both in my legs the power on my legs and my hamstrings and my glutes are improving and also bowel and bladder is improving every single day as well and but what i had to do was these little things and i had to commit myself every single day to do the work so i set myself this routine of every day wake up have breakfast do your family call do your dips do your exercises go and have a shower and then after that you know if i want to have a little nap because obviously it's you know i'm not as strong and you know and and fit and able as i as i was before so i would you know take the opportunities to have a bit of a nap as well but the key thing here for me was the dedication to the work and was i feeling down yeah like it's hard you know i had to get onto a commode to go and get you know taking myself to the toilet, to take myself to the shower, eventually go and have a shower because before that people were coming and washing me. And I didn't like that because, you know, I've always been very independent, but I appreciated and I was so grateful for the people that did. And embarrassingly as well, because I didn't have any control of my bowel and bladder. Sometimes I literally, I kid you not, I would shift myself on the bed and my bowels would then clear and that's hard. Like, it's really hard. Or I'd wean myself. And, you know, like all of these things are not easy to, to, to get your head around. It's something that takes time. And it took time for me because I've never been in this situation. I've never had to experience something like this. So for me, it was completely new. It was something that I've never had to, to go through and it was scary. It was scary. And I didn't kind of bottle any of that stuff up. I did accept the fact that these things are happening. I understand that I, that I'm, I'm going through this. And I remember talking to Lucia bag and she even mentioned it to me. And we, we were saying there's a bigger lesson in this. Like there's a bigger purpose. There's something happening. The reason why this has happened to you is because, you know, um, is there's obviously a, a bigger reason. And it wasn't just for me, obviously for Lucy as well. Like Lucy all of a sudden went from, you know, being with a husband in a partnership where we do everything, you know, very equally. You know, I take the kid, I was taking the kids to school, doing the pickups. I work from home. So I've got the flexibility, you know, and we work very 50-50. We always supported and helped each other. So all of a sudden she's a single parent. She's a single parent working full time and I cannot work because the number one priority for me is I need to get the hell out of this bed. I need to get out of this hospital. I need to go home. And so, and I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. So um, that was the focus for me. The focus for me is, is I need to get home. So I had to dedicate myself and I kept doing the work and doing these exercises every single day. And then, you know, as time went by a little bit, I spoke to the to the physios again because I started to get again frustrated with them that they just gave me these basic things to do. And, you know, they weren't really coming regularly, helping me to continue to progress, even if it's the, the, the twice a week. They weren't even showing up for that. So eventually I stepped up and I banged the table, had to go at a few people. And because if you don't, and this is the unfortunate situation, and I sympathize with the NHS as well, the National Health Service in the UK, 
they are so underfunded and understaffed. And it's a real shame because there are some incredible people there doing incredible work, including the physios, including the nurses. The nurses were amazing, amazing. No faults with them. They were incredible. The work that they do in that ward was amazing. No faults with them. You know, and you could see the frustration, even the physios, when they came and they saw my hard work, they saw me writing things down and they were like, oh, we love you. Like you're you're like the perfect student because I'm a geek. And it's not just that. I don't have the luxury of sitting in a bed for weeks or months on end waiting for somebody to help me, waiting for the physios to turn up to do the work. And then for the next time for that to happen, I don't have that luxury. I don't have that time on my hand for me to sit on my ass and wait for things to come to me. Because if I do, I'm going to spend months in hospital, months. And I don't want to do that. I don't have that. That's not a negotiation. That's not part of the process. And I said that to myself straight away, which is why I kept banging the table, which is why I kept saying to them, what else can I do? What you're giving me now, there's no purpose to this. What are we doing next? Thank God they gave me something else to do. They bought me my splints. They said, we're going to give you these splints. They're going to help you to get up on your feet. I was like, yes, wonderful. Tried the first splints, put them on with some trainers, and I was able to get up on my feet. Oh, I was happy with that. That was good. I was happy. Why? Because I can now do other things. Was I stable? Could I walk? No, I had to hold on to the side of my bed, but I had exercises to do. I had things now. I was at the next level now. Now I can do something else. I can practice my steps. They got me on the Zimmer frame and they were trying to help me and I'm wobbly. Like I can't walk really. So they're like, okay, we're going to give you these exercises. This is what you're going to do. And again, I rewrote my daily routine, completely rewrote it. They gave me stuff for me to do standing up. They gave me some things for me to do while I, whilst I'm in bed for me to start to strengthen my, my hamstrings, like the back of, of my legs on so my bum, my hamstrings, my, my calves. And I started to practice these steps as well, which starts to then get my, my, um, you know, my my feelings back. It's, I starts to get my coordination back, and I just every day, every day I just did it every single day without fail. I'm up. I had my routine, did the things I need to do, and I'm doing them. And where I could, where I felt I could, I started to add things. I started to add squats. I would do five and then eventually I would do 10. And then eventually I got to the point where I did 50. So I was then doing 50 squats a day. And I'm adding these things to my toolbox. I'm adding these things to my daily exercises. Why? Because I don't have the luxury of sitting in hospital waiting for somebody to come and save me. As I know now, I've been through so many other things that I understand that no one's coming to save me. No one's going to come and save me. I've been through addictions. I've, you know, had overdoses. No one, no one is going to come to save me. No one's going to help me to overcome the addictions. I had to do that for myself. I had to do the 12 steps. I had to continue to do it every single day. I had to get into the 12 step triangle, which is unity, service, recovery. I had to go and help other people. I had to continue to do the work on myself in mind, body, spirit. When I stopped drinking, I realized, oh my God, I am I'm suffering from mental health. I've got traumas. I've got stuff that I've never dealt with because I drank, I used, I did everything to numb my emotions, my feelings. 
And I had to look at all of those things and nobody was going to do it for me. I had to go out and do these things myself. So that taught me that I needed to take accountability, responsibility, and I needed to take action. Is it easy? Of course, it's not easy. But the more you do, the easier it becomes. And then it allows you, it allowed me to go through one door to open another, to open another, to open another. Every single challenge that I went through in my life opened another door. This is no different. This is no different. This is exactly the same. And so I knew, I knew what I had to do and I did it. And I kept going, I wrote everything down and they come and they sit with me, they do the exercise, they keep testing, I'm improving. Now I'm ready for the frame. I'm ready for the frame, I'm ready to go. And the talk in the ward is I'm going to this place called J2. It's the rehab. It's the place you go to when you get physio. It's not a medical ward. It's a rehab ward within the hospital. And everybody kept telling me, yep, the next stage for you is you're going to J2. This is where you're going. And then they started talking to me about another place called Stoke Mandeville, I then start to meet with, you know, specialist nurse, start to meet with other people who are now, you know, things are kind of coming together now because I'm starting to improve. I got taken out of off the catheter. I'm now learning to self-catheterize, which that in itself is an experience. But I'm learning. I'm learning. Things are waking up. Things are doing what, you know, things are, are moving in the right direction. We've called a Requina syndrome. One of the things that I've learned, which is very important, is sensory touching, rubbing, scratching, doing anything. And I just kept doing these things, kept doing them, kept stretching, kept making sure that I'm moving somehow, that I'm just just massaging, making sure that I'm massaging the, the, the areas, the muscles where places are numb. Why? Because it stimulates sensation. It stimulates those nerves to wake up again. It stimulates it to come to life. It, it, it sends the message to the brain through the nervous system to go, oh, something's happening down here. What's this? And it starts to kind of send the message down there. And eventually, 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 you know, the, the feelings start to come back. For example, my right foot, my right foot, you know, I can now move. The muscles are twitching a little bit more, very gently, nothing major. The toes move a little bit more. And as I said, now my calf started to twitch. So in the six weeks, you know, post-op, things are now happening. You know, the 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 numbness sensations, most of it is is gone. There's still some there. Now on the left, the numbness sensations of uh, uh, are going, but I can't move my toe. I can't move my foot. My calf isn't twitching, but I know deep inside that it is moving. It is twitching. So what I keep doing is I keep trying to move it as much as I can, like I am doing with the right foot, because I know that eventually it will move. I know that eventually it will go back to its perfect healthy for condition. Why? Because there is no other choice. I haven't given myself another choice. I didn't tell my brain, oh, this is it now. I'm never going to walk again. I'm paralyzed for life. And, you know, this is it. Oh, I'm going to give up in life. I'm going to just, you know, just accept that this is it. You know, this is what Call the Requiner has done to me and this is it. Absolutely fucking not. Absolutely not. That's not the outcome for me. And as I said, it is not the outcome. 
I am recovering 110% and you will not tell me otherwise. The physio tried to tell me. She was massaging my feet. We were doing a few bits and pieces. And she said to me, you know, these things can take time, you know, and, and you might not, you know, fully recover. And I went, ah, 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 let me stop you there. I said, I'm recovering 110%. I'm walking out of here stronger than I came in. You, and I said, that's just a fact. And she went, well, you know, I said, listen, you will not tell me otherwise. You will not tell me otherwise. This is going to happen. And she went, I'd love to see you prove me wrong. I said, I will. Five weeks in, I walked out of there. I did the steps. I did the two flights of stairs that I was meant to. And she was incredible and massively complimentary. But that's not what this is all about. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, you know, the journey now is 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 improving. And there are tough times. You know, there are tough times where I'm in a hospital. The people there are amazing, but I'm surrounded by sick people. I'm surrounded by different personalities, very various different people. But you know what was really interesting is the journey meeting these different people was amazing was really, really amazing. As I was improving, as I continued to stay really positive, there were other people there who were struggling in their own way. And I'd like to think, because I saw it, that something changed in them. And, you know, I met some wonderful, wonderful people there. And we had some amazing conversations. We had some great laughs. We had some sad times. And one of the things that I learned is there is nothing, nothing on planet Earth that will buy health. Nothing. There's nothing. There's no amount of money in the world. I was next to a guy who was a multi-multi-millionaire. He had a multi-millionaire, you know, multi-million pound business. And he sat there next to me having had a brain uh, brain surgery, brain tumor, uh, and I think cancer. And he had a massive, massive seizure next to me. And, you know, it is humbling, very humbling to see the experiences, very humbling to see the different people that come in and out. Some people stay a bit longer, you know, some people, um, you know, go quite quickly, but I met some, some really, really beautiful people, you know? So, it is a tough journey, you know, when when you're medically unwell, it's, you know, you're, you're in an environment that is surrounded by that. And one of the things that I've learned, because I'm not there for anybody else, I'm not, that's the truth of the matter, that's just a fact. And for me, where I had to stay strong is I had to stay strong for me. First and foremost, this wasn't about Lucy, my wife. This wasn't about my four kids. This wasn't about my my parents. This wasn't about my friends. This wasn't about my family. This wasn't about my business. Because if I'm dead, or if I'm paralyzed for life, or if I'm not walking out of there, if I'm not doing the things that I have to do, none of that stuff matters. And there is no other choice for me. No other choice. I'm walking out of there stronger than I came in. So the daily work for me was as followed, was me following the plan that I wrote down and stuck to 
every single day. There is no negotiation. Did I wake up with, you know, sunshines and rainbow? Was it blue flowery skies every single day? Was I smelling the roses? Absolutely not. If you know about hospital wards, they don't smell of flowery roses. A lot of the times they smell like shit because us, including myself, especially in those wards, a lot of us lose control of our bowel and bladder. So it's not easy. So, you know, as much as I'm kind of laughing, it's tough. It's a tough environment to be in. So I have to, I have to be strong. I have to go through it. And did I get emotional? Of course I did. I cried on the phone to my wife so many times, so many times because I wanted to be home. She's at home working full time, looking after the kids. You know, she's tired. The kids are not are not themselves because, you know, I'm not home. So they're now waking up, you know, where usually they would wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. They're now waking up at five, half five in the morning, and they're waking my wife up. And my wife is then having to, you know, to then work a full day every single day, you know, as well as look after the kids, do everything, drop-offs, pickups, dinner, lunch, everything, do the washing putting the dish, all the things, taking the rubbish down, like all of the things that we would share, it's all on her now. It's all on her. And she has a very successful private practice in Harley Street, as well as working privately with a clinic in, in Knightsbridge. So she doesn't, she, and she, she's a psychotherapist working in mental health and addiction. So it's not like, you know, she's, you know, massaging or, you know, she's picking up the phone or she's doing anything, you know, like her, her work is hard. It's very emotionally draining sometimes, you know, and it's hugely rewarding. But anybody that works in a field understands it's a tough job. So I'm completely powerless, completely powerless to seeing my wife cry, seeing her struggle, not being able to do anything other than just try and support her and try to say baby I'm so sorry I got you I know this is on me we're here because of me and she's not saying anything by any means to make me feel guilty but I know this is happening because of me because of what happened to me because of this challenge this experience it had this huge ripple effect with my whole family my daughter wants daddy home she's she's struggling my son's the same but they come to see me as much as possible my wife was driving you know 40 45 minutes 50 minutes each way every single day to come and see me and she was knackered and i said stop doing it just do it when you can and you know let's just make sure that we're doing you know uh what we can to support the family i need to give a shout out to my parents my mum and dad, who are angels, incredible. Honestly, for those of you who have heard my story before, previously, you know, the struggles I've had with, you know, with my mum growing up, the things that we've been through, you know, it's been tough. You know, we've been, her and I have been through some real challenges, you know, ourselves in our relationship. You know, there has been a number of times where, I just almost completely cut her out of my life, completely almost cut her out of my life. 
we've done so much healing around that, so much healing around that. And she was, is still, even now, incredible. Incredible. Everybody says, if you need anything, just let me know. And I'm not blaming anybody for anything because everybody has their own lives. And those who, who, who stood, who pushed through, who came to visit, who messaged, even with the small little things, I love you and you know who you are because you dropped messages, you you made sure, like even those little things, even though, you know, for whatever reason, family, business or whatever it is, you weren't able to come to the hospital, but you dropped a message, you know who you are and I love you. I love you, honestly, truly do, because even those little messages, even these little things, that type of support makes such a difference such a difference and you know i've had so much love so much support from people who have been just amazing you know just even on social media just even on social media people that i've never met face to face in my life have been incredible incredible and honestly just i i just want to say take this moment now if you're listening that i love you i just want to send you so much love even in in the quarter Aquinas syndrome group you know the people that have commented the people that liked my posts i always like to share positivity where i can and it's just purely my story it's just purely my journey as i'm doing now i just want to share something in hope that it may help someone it may give you hope it may trigger you it may trigger something in you to go, actually, yeah, I am in self-pity. I am not getting out. You know, I'm not getting off my ass and doing something. I am relying on other people to do it for me when actually, you know, I can do something. Or if you are in the position where you're not able to do anything, go and get the support. You know, you're not on your own. You are never on your own, you know, and, and I, I learned that and I, truly especially saw it you know during this time and and honestly it just filled my heart with so much love that this is another thing that just kept me going and going and going that I knew something it, it actually the most important for me was is for me to recover that was the number one thing is to fulfill that promise to fulfill that goal that I know is absolutely true so you know to, to my mum, to my wife, to all the people that have been around, honestly, it, I, I just have nothing but unconditional love because, you know, what you did and continue to do, there is there is nothing. There's no money. There is nothing, 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 nothing that I, 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 can, I can give other than hopefully pay that forward in the same way or, you know, one day be able to, to kind of give it back in, in the same way. Uh, you know, unconditional love that it was given to me. So, you know, this is kind of the story so far. And, you know, there, there's been further challenges, you know, there's been further challenges. And, you know, I talked about that ward J2, which I've been honestly from day one, you know, I was told this is where you're going. This is where you're going. This is what's happening. And I was looking forward to it. I've been, I was literally imagining going to this place. And then they kept talking to me about Stoke Mandeville as well, which was another place, which is a really well-known um, facility hospital here in, in the UK. And, um, you know, they have incredible, incredible uh, physio there as well. So I will talk about that more in the next episode. I hope that you're enjoying it so far. If you have any comments, anything you want me to talk about, anything that I haven't mentioned, um, let me know. If you 
to just share, like, share, leave a little comment, uh, whatever it may be, you know, just so that I can, you know, spread this to more and more people, more and more people can hear about this, more and more people can get the the, the knowledge, the awareness around called a requiner syndrome that hopefully somebody is struggling if they're having those back pains, if they're having that sciatica, if they're starting to feel numbness, if they can listen to this and it can give them hope and they can go and get help now, immediately, that's the reason why I want it to be shared. So if you could share that, that would be amazing. It's the only thing I ask. I don't get anything from this other than just giving back in hope that I can help someone. Have an amazing day, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. And I will see you in the next episode. Take care.